0: Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth With the Scale Your Course podcast. Hey Mallory, welcome to Scale Your Course. I am truly excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here with you. Even more exciting is the topic for today because we're gonna talk about SOPs. And for those of you who don't know what SOPs are, Mallory's going to uh, tell us about those, but Essentially, we recognize or I've recognized in the entrepreneurial space that the need to have SOPs is super critical to the functioning of a scaling company or business. And when it comes to course creation, there's SOPs that can be very specific to courses or programs, but ultimately your whole business. And most of the people listening to this podcast many of the people anyways, are people that are already fairly established in business, Mallory. And they are people that are using courses or programs to scale their business. So I'm excited to have you tell us about SOPs, really just laying the groundwork for us to understand them and share about yourself and what you do in your business. And then we'll just see where the conversation goes.
1: Yeah. So SOPs. But SOPs are basically standard operating procedures. They are the things that keep your business running. I love this quote by Michael Gerber. He's author of like the E-Myth. I might butcher it, but um, basically it's your business is like essentially a system. It's not necessarily the people. You own a system and then you just are hiring the people to then manage that system or keep it working, which I, I just absolutely love that. My kind of journey, I guess, basically coming about this love for systems, because creating SOPs and systems is just not everyone's cup of tea, especially when you're like a visionary. You're not the person who really wants to be the one to be in all those details, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just been such an interesting journey, I guess, where I have worked with a lot of people who just were like, man, like I know we need systems and processes, but we don't necessarily know how. And so they come to me and it's really awesome being that person for them to be able to come in and learn about their business and just kind of hold a mirror to them almost and be like, look, this is what your business looks like. Here's where I see you could have a repeatable process. And then I can sometimes map it out on a flow chart or something for them and be like, here's how I'm interpreting this. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that I even had that. That can be turned into a process. I've been learning just as I work with different companies that there are so many different ways to document a process. Sometimes it's a document, sometimes it's a flow chart, sometimes it's in your project management system, you know, and you can create like a template that way. But I want to just stress the importance, though, of how beneficial it is to document processes because it really does keep things operating like really smoothly in your business. It keeps things consistent and standardized. It allows the CEO to, to really step away and not have to worry about the potential for any errors to happen. And I think overall, like it really just assists in the ease of replication of yourself and of others so that there's just A standard across the board and you just know exactly how things are
0: done. There's a few great things that you've just said that I want to peel back a little bit. I obviously brought you on to talk about SOPs within the entrepreneurial space, but SOPs are so important in, in all types of businesses and organizations. One of the things that you said when you talked about holding up a mirror, I think The next step to that is that you actually show them the future, right? The crystal ball is like, this is where you are now, but guess what? I can show you where you can go with these systems and processes in place. So I thought that was really cool too. Well,
1: and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that some business owners think that they are like a unicorn and that their process is only something they can do. And I think if you want to grow and you want to scale, you really have to get your process to a place where it's not just something you can do. It is replicatable because if not, then you're not going to be able to grow and scale, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's really obviously with the title of this podcast, scale your course. What I've learned is that you can have even a great curriculum, and I mean, curriculum's my specialty, but you can have a great curriculum, but if you don't have the right mechanism to deliver that curriculum in an effective way, even how do we respond to questions around tech? How do we dispense information? How do we onboard? How do we say goodbye to people at the end? How do we gather feedback? What do we do with that feedback so that it's utilized? It's meaningful when we ask for it. How do we store it? How do we utilize it? And so I'm sure there's probably many other systems that you can think of that would apply. But this idea of it being a bit of a machine, and if you can get that delivery system down pat, then when you're ready to start pivoting and stuff in your curriculum or your content or you want to take away some lives or maybe you're adding some group coaching classes or something all of the other things are still working and you're able to pivot better and that's really what scaling is is preparing to take on more people but you want to be doing it more effectively and efficiently so can you share with us a little bit about you know where you see people going wrong when it comes to their SOPs, whether that be those that don't have them at all or people that have them but really don't fully understand or have applied um, the right approach.
1: Right. So, oh gosh, so many things come to mind. Where do I even start? (laughs) I think one of the biggest things I see happen is impatience um, with actually documenting the process. When any business owner Has to document a process and that's not their natural strength. It sucks. Like it's messy and it's really difficult to make yourself sit down and actually think through the process. But here's even something that I'm kind of implementing more into my own life. When we don't slow down, we're not going to accelerate. So, like (laughs) the other day, it was funny. Um, I was talking with my mom actually and She was telling me how she was getting this presentation ready for something and (laughs) they had just changed everything. Like they had just updated the platform and all this stuff and she was trying really hard to get her thing done, but she was like struggling through it because she was like trying to learn as she was doing it. I was like, mom, you know, if you slow down just to learn how the new platform works, you would go a lot faster afterwards, like in your work, you know? And so that's kind of like just kind of an example of what I mean. Like, slowing down actually helps you accelerate faster because you're slowing down and you're really thinking through the process. Um, and you're actually taking the time and know that it does take time. Like, it is a labor of love. But, man, you know, if it takes you like a year or so, great. That's like a super intentional time that you're really slowing down to really make sure you have processes. And then guess what? After you have those processes, you're gonna scale like 10x. You know, you're just gonna accelerate even faster rather than doing it bits and pieces at a time and then like getting really impatient with it. So you're just like, ah, screw it. Like, I'm just gonna do my thing and just continue to work on what I'm doing. And then it takes you much longer to actually get to where you wanna be if you don't take the time to sit down and really allow yourself to focus on on making that a top priority for, for a time.
0: So that's like one of the things I would say. I'm thinking about what you're saying there, Mallory. I think the SOPs feel like they slow you down, but what you're saying is actually, if you take the time and it's the same with course creation, if you actually take the time to do it well from the very beginning, it's going to save you time and refinement later on. And so it's really very applicable with this as well. And so while it feels heavy And myself, I'm newer at business SOPs, but I'm finding the more that I write stuff down, like you said, although I don't have a really well-crafted system for that, but when I do write things down and I realize just how intricate and complex it is, it's actually something I can go back and refer to and I don't have to think as hard, right? So I've been creating workflows, for example, for my podcast, right? How do I onboard guests? How do I do editing? Cause I'm doing a lot of this stuff myself. How do I get my promos out? All of that kind of stuff. So I'm developing some processes for that right now, but I don't know how many times I've done something and I've been like, how did I do that again? Which order right. did the steps go? And so from a cognitive overload perspective, if you can write it as you're doing it, then you have it for the next time until it becomes like a well-oiled machine. You always have that SOP, that documentation to go back to. And so, right. yeah, I totally concur with what you're saying. But I, I think my main point here is that it does feel almost like you're dragging around a bit of a, a weight at first because it does feel like I'd rather be doing other things than documenting my right. processes. Or even figuring out my processes to document. It, it's kind of one of those things where it
1: takes the work in order for you to see the results. It's like you have to work out and do the work in order for you to get the really nice body you want. You know? Yeah, yeah. I would say some other mindset shifts that I really encourage whoever I'm working with, even as I'm helping them, like really extract the processes. It's really just you have to have this discipline of awareness in your business to basically keep it top of mind for you to know what you need to document in your business. So there is kind of that shift. um, And you want to be really vigilant about like, how can I make this a repeatable process? And that's when you also, I think can get a better vision and create more too, to really make it something that you can make a repeatable process. For me, that's like the best part about creating systems is it's such a creative process. And then you have this system basically that you now can use repeatedly and get the same results every single time, which will then give you this boost of, like, oh my gosh, I am actually seeing the results that I wanna see. You have this like newfound momentum or even newfound confidence in your business that you just have now that you have those processes documented. A lot of the time, I always recommend, like, doing a time study, as much as that sounds terrible, if you could do a time study, that's probably one of the best places because I think so often we don't know even where to start. And so by just noticing what are the things that I also can begin to document or thinking of it as what do I want to outsource? You know, what are those areas that I really do want to get off my plate? because their time suck or they're just distracting or what have you, those are probably the places you're going to want to start. And then from there, you can start to set goals or set objectives of, okay, I want to outsource this, so here's what I need to do. I need to make sure I have a process for that, and then I need to stabilize it, and then I can document what I need to in order to then hire it out. And you can use that documentation as the training that you then can train that person on, and then it's off your plate. Yeah. But it really is, again, that process of like slowing down and having more of that awareness.
0: Slowing down to speed up. I love it. And I really like that you pointed out too that it can be used as a training tool. When you have it for yourself, not only does it help you, but it helps you prepare other people to be able to do it. And it'll save you time onboarding new staff or new team members, I would imagine, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I can't even tell you, I will sometimes go through these really intensive contracts with clients where we are working out their processes, we're extracting it, and then we're documenting it. And it takes a while, but then as soon as we are able to have that asset for their business and have that piece of documentation that we can use for training. Once we hire the person to take that over, it, I've been able to help one of my clients train up someone within like a matter of four weeks or so. Usually that kind of thing can take three months, maybe longer, maybe shorter, but like four weeks, that's, that, that's pretty quick. And so being able to have that documentation and that training, it's gonna allow you to get your team member ramped up much quicker. And then guess what? If they get maxed out on their tasks and you need an additional support person to basically handle their workload, you already have that training in place there. And then
0: that saves you even more time down the line. Choosing a platform to host your course or online program can be overwhelming. There's more choices than you have time to consider, and you're probably not really sure which platform to choose that will fit your needs, not only just today, but in your business future. If this sounds like you, I'd like to introduce you to Membervault. This platform is more than a home for your learning products. It can be a home for your entire business. Whether you're creating a new course or program or scaling your products so you can serve more efficiently and effectively, Membervault is the tool for you. To learn more about MemberVault and find out how you can start with a free plan that includes all features and has no time limit, visit bit.ly backslash this is One of the challenges I could see from creating SOPs, not that it would stop me from doing it, would be how fast technology moves. There's always a new tool. There's always a new feature to the tool that you already love does anything come up for you there where this idea of you create these SOPs and you're done, but are you ever really done? Because technology can actually cause you to have to rewrite and edit and all those things.
1: You just opened up a can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a great point because one thing you have to know about your SOPs is they are living and breathing, which means you do have to update them on a regular basis. Now you can delegate who updates those SOPs absolutely, but you're going to have to update them regularly. I recommend every six months or so, but you can kind of gauge that for your own business needs. But one thing I will say, I feel like there's like common wisdom out there that I really disagree with when it comes to documenting processes. And that is using videos to just document the entire process basically. And then having that be like your your SOP. And the reason I feel like I disagree a lot with that is because when platforms change or when tweaks are made, it takes a lot more time later on to completely redo an entire video than it would be if you were to have a written process and then you just go and edit what you need to it, it takes a lot less time and so when i'm typically documenting processes i've started to incorporate text and pictures or it or like making the process a little more interactive i know that there's really great tools out there such as like process street where you can actually create like conditional logic sort of processes where maybe there's a specific process that's based on a condition like oh we're using this tool to do this so you're going to do this process and or, oh, you know, if it's if it's this email sequence, you're going to want to do this process. But updating the process, I think you want to make it as efficient as possible for you in order to make sure that later on you're not, you're able to keep up with the process, but it still remains fairly universal or, but I guess at the same time, knowing you're also going to have to continuously update that. And even your business is going to evolve and your business is going to change too. And sometimes that might mean like phasing certain processes out that are no longer needed. And I think the thing that kind of blows my mind sometimes is just when people realize they have the processes as they are now, but then they realize later, Oh, we actually don't need to do this because maybe we found a tool that automates that for us. Or maybe we like, found a better way to do it where like we were just able to eliminate it and we found it wasn't necessary. So sometimes you can look back on your processes too and see that they can give you insight into better ways of doing things in your business as well.
0: That's a really good point, which leads me to ask you, when you get a request from someone to help them with their systems, what is your first step in understanding what they need?
1: Planning. We always sit down and plan out what the future is going to look like in their business. What are the future roles they want to hire? Let's like map out your org chart and let's get really clear on also the areas that you're currently doing and what areas you are passionate and proficient in. If you're proficient in it, but not passionate, let's eliminate that. But if you're like passionate and proficient, keep it. And it's also a way for you to decide what's a distraction, what's your zone like of genius basically that you need to be operating in, what are the areas that you are just disinterested, and then what do you really hate doing. And so evaluating those different areas and then doing what Mike McCallowitz calls like a trash trim transfer where you're basically looking at, okay, here's my main thing that I want to be doing. What are the things keeping me from doing those things? And how can I either trash it, which is basically get rid of it altogether, trim it, which is cutting down on the amount of time you're spending doing that thing, or how can I transfer it, which is basically outsourcing? And so I kind of walk through something similar um, to that with clients. Again, we also map out the org chart. I'll typically go through a process too where I really am getting an overview of their business and mapping out like their ecosystem, if you will. And that can look like just the whole process from the entry or like the marketing, and then the the sales, the nurture, the delivery, and then the retention and upsell. So that's a whole entire process from start to finish. And that can build out their entire ecosystem. And then every other process that goes into that is just the supporting process or just the, I guess the procedure for the process, if that makes sense. Like it's the step-by-step details you need to follow in order to make the entire process flow.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love what you said about the passion piece of it, really knowing what lights you up. And also I think it would be important to understand what Roles you need to take in your business versus what roles you might like to do, but actually are taking away from what you need to be doing. Because there are certain roles that every CEO or business owner has that no one can replace. So, knowing what those are, are really important. But what I'm thinking about right now is if you've said it can take a year, as an example, maybe that's with someone doing it on their own but let's just use a year just for the sake of using a year. If it takes a year to do the planning and you realize, okay, to get to this point, we're going to need a year of doing this. And so we're going to have a step-by-step approach to it. How do you determine where to focus your time and energy? Is it at the very beginning? Like let's just do it from A to Z or do you help them pick a spot in their business that really feels really broken to them right now? Let's get the processes down pat for that. So how do you decide where to start?
1: Again, kind of going back to just that whole figuring out what your distraction and your disinterest areas of your business, really identifying those and then saying, okay, these are the areas I want to outsource first. Okay, great. Let's essentially think through all the things that you have to do for that process. And usually it's the areas that you might be really, really good at doing, just you know the process like the back of your hand and it's something you do regularly, but you just are I I don't wanna do it. Like I have no desire to continue doing that because it's taking me away from what I really wanna be doing. Those are probably the areas that you want to outsource first because one, you know those processes the best and they're kind of the low-hanging fruit, if you will, and those can be documented the fastest, those are the easiest to hand off. And then we can plan to then outsource that. So there's kind of like this motivation to get that off your plate faster and to document it so that you can outsource it. But I would just say sometimes you don't really know. I would say you really just want to start training yourself to just make it a habit to be more aware of what kinds of things you could potentially document or what kinds of things are those repeatable processes. And then as you think of them, make a mental note, write it down, put it somewhere so that you know, okay, I really do have things in my business I can document and that's kind of gonna be your starting point
0: you for clarifying that I think you you tried to make that clear but it wasn't clear for me in the moment and I really needed to know if there was a certain order we had to do things or not right so I think it really is very independent depending on on who you are and what is happening in your business so that's great it gives lots of flexibility for people and it's not a prescribed way of doing things you have your processes that you use to help your clients Get to where they need to go, but there could be various things that you focus on first. So that's great. If you had a, any tip that you think that you would really want to make sure that people knew about today, what would that be?
1: That's a great question. I would have to say one thing that really comes to mind is, especially when you are working on creating processes, having too many exceptions to the process. Uh is probably the biggest thing that I have personally experienced working on a team that has probably been the biggest detriment because it has caused so many issues further on down the line. Um, And what I mean by that is, so, you know, as a service provider, for example, if you have a client coming into your business and you're going to offer them services but maybe you're onboarding them in a different way every single time. It's like a unique situation or like it's a conversation between the two of you because you're trying to make exceptions for them. That will sometimes make it really difficult for you to be able to outsource because, again, you're having a different process every single time. And if you're trying to outsource it, the information is not gonna transfer every time or you're gonna have to constantly be remembering like, wait, what was the conversation? What did we say we were gonna do? Whereas if you have one specific way that you're doing something, that's gonna be the most beneficial, especially when you're trying to scale and you're trying to transfer this process to someone else. Now I wanna make a clear distinction though, because I, especially lately I've been learning There is a difference between a process that has too many exceptions that can be a bad thing like I was explaining, but then there's also something that I would say is called dynamic process where that's when there are so many different variables to your process and then you kind of need to make sure to include all those different variables, but you're still able to communicate it to the team member you're transferring it to Don't get me wrong. I understand that there are businesses that just have a lot of moving pieces that change a lot, but I think I'm more speaking about the things that can be processes that is just like, here's the one way we're going to do it and we're not going to make any exceptions to it because when we do make exceptions, there's a lot of room for error that come with it. So hope that distinction is clear, but that's, I think the biggest thing that I've run into that you want to be really vigilant about eliminating from your processes is just having too many exceptions to it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great tip. Thank you. I can envision what that would look like, especially if, like you said, you're promising different people, different things. Your team member is going to be Even though there's a process in place, they're going to be confused. They're not necessarily going to maybe execute the way that you want. It's potentially going to upset you or the customer or the client, your team member, because everybody wants to be successful at what they do and and not create more challenges for people, right? So I can see the importance of really trying to stick to the program, so to speak, but also it's always great to be able to know where you can put in flexibility, but that needs to be communicated in a great way. And and that's a whole other conversation, communication between team members. So, I mean, you've embedded some really thought provoking things for me. I mean, I'm pretty new at the, the SOP side of things and I'm hopeful that there's some takeaways for those that are kind of in the weeds, so to speak. I've been in a few masterminds lately with people who are at the stage of business, whether that be their course creators or their um, service providers, and they're really recognizing that without these systems, they're not going to get to the next level. And sometimes recognizing what's broken can be hard on you, right? Realizing that there's a lot of work ahead, but you've at least provided us some tips on, on where to start and some really great things to avoid doing. Can you tell us a little bit about where we can find you and and what you're doing in the space right now and how you help others?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So most of my social medias are Mallory Joy Co. And that includes Instagram and I believe Facebook as well. If not, it's just Mallory Joy. And then also my member vault is malloryjoy.vipmembervault.com. And actually there, I do have an SOP bundle uh, freebie for you guys. So if you want to basically get my SOP template that I use, as well as like my database for you to basically store kind of like a library of all your SOPs, that is definitely something I would highly encourage you to check out. And yeah, that's basically where to find me.
0: I know what I'll be checking out for sure. (laughs) It's your bundle. That's exactly what I need as a starting point. And sometimes we do. We need someone to help us get us started. But then if we have a really complex business or a lot of moving parts, like you said, hiring someone like you to do some of that work with us is going to probably shorten the distance to the completion part of it. What would be a reasonable timeframe that you would work with a client, Mallory?
1: It depends on where they're at because I run a full service business where I actually will help you first create the system, help you stabilize it, then we document it, and then we hire and outsource. So, really, it depends on where you're at because sometimes when we're creating the system, that can take a really long time. But if you have all the systems already, you just need them documented, it can take me like three months. But if it's like you need help creating the system, depending on the scope, it can take a different amount of time for everyone.
0: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So thank you so much, Mallory. It's been great chatting with you. And I look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon.
1: Thank you. I had so much fun talking to you today, Tracy.
0: (laughs) Me too.